In the name of Jesus, amen. So for you to understand the parable before us here today, I'm going to ask one question. And that question is, what are you wearing? And it's a certainly a good thing to dress your best on Sunday, to not distract others from the word of God, as scripture says. And women should find glory in dressing modestly and humbly to not attract attention to themselves or lead anyone into temptation. And men should dress well, prepare for church, and not just pull a dirty shirt out of the hamper uh, like I used to do when I was 15. But you're in God's house. Right? You're in the presence of the Almighty God who has come to forgive your sins. So you put some effort into what you wear when God himself is present. And as good as all of this is, this isn't what I mean when I ask the question of what are you wearing. It's not about what is worn on your body, but what covers your soul. And this is what Jesus would have us consider today. Because the parable from the gospel lesson is about the church, and it's one of the longest and most complicated parables that Jesus does teach us. And there are three parts of the parable. Uh, The first part is about a king who prepares a wedding feast for his son. And this is really simple to understand. God invites all, the entire world, to his feast of forgiveness and eternal life. And there are many who don't want to come to it. There are many who don't want anything to do with it. And this refers to unbelievers outside of the church. The second part is that the king sent other servants to go invite them in again. And now instead of just ignoring them this time, uh, those who were invited actually killed those who invited them. And this too is easy to understand. It's preachers of the gospel who are often persecuted and killed for the invitation they proclaim. It's those missionaries overseas who lose their tongues and limbs and whose churches are burned down because they preach the gospel. This is who it's referring to. And now the third and final part takes place not outside of the wedding feast, but in it. It's about a man who was at the feast, but he wasn't wearing a garment, a wedding garment. And when the king saw him, he says, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And the man was speechless. And this man was bound by hand and foot and then cast into the outer darkness to the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, which is another way of saying hell. And this is the part that we're going to focus in on today. The man who was thrown out of the wedding feast for not wearing a wedding garment. So what's going on? It's a custom in the day that the host of whatever party or whatever wedding would provide the wedding garments for all who he invited. So it's not a matter of making your own or affording one. It's a matter of wearing the one that's freely given, the one that was handed to you. So if someone wasn't wearing it, it's because he rejected it. Either he had it at a time and he took it off or he just never accepted it to begin with. And here's what this all means in the parable. So God is the king. Jesus is the son who is getting married to his bride, the church. The wedding hall is the church where God's word is preached and the wedding garment is faith. So the man who was in the wedding hall without the garments represents those who go to church and are in the church but don't believe. Those who are there Sunday after Sunday but don't have faith. This part of the parable isn't about those who don't come to church. That's what the first two parts were about. But this part is about those who do, those who are here today. 
Where the first parts taught us about those who reject God's word outwardly, this final part is a warning to those who reject his word inwardly in their heart. Simply put, this part of the parable is about those who are in church but aren't in church, if you get what I'm saying. Jesus teaches us about hypocrites who do one thing with their hands and their bodies and quite another with their mouth, or quite another with their heart. So in the church buildings throughout the world, there will always be those who pretend, those who look like they belong, but don't. And what does this mean? And what does this look like? Well, these are the people who come to church, who speak and sing the liturgy and prayers and hymns with everyone else. They sit in the pews and politely listen as God's word is preached. They dress modestly. They're proper and kind. They don't engage in gossip. They follow all of the rules. They eat and drink the body and blood of Christ here. They even give their money and they volunteer in the church. They go to every service, but they don't believe a word of it. They do all things outwardly, but inwardly they're far away. And this is a shocking revelation to us. This is, but Jesus says this, that there will be some like this in his feast. They walk into church and then they leave exactly the same. They daydream while God is speaking. They hear the word, but they don't pay attention to it. When you ask them what the sermon was about, then they have absolutely no idea what was preached. Not because they didn't understand it, but because they weren't actually listening. They go to church the entire year, but they leave with as little knowledge at the end of the year as they came in at the beginning. Once church ends, they live and think and speak for the rest of the week as if Christ's body is still lifeless in the grave somewhere. As if being a Christian happened only on Sunday and never any other day. They don't really meditate on the suffering and death of Christ. They don't really give thought to their baptism. Once it happened, it's done, and they forget about it. The Lord's Supper is nothing but a formality, another thing that we have to do. The word hits their ears, but they're deaf to it. So that's what it looks like to not be wearing the wedding garment in the feast. That's what it looks like to be in the church, but not truly have faith. Here's the issue. Jesus tells us, And scripture tells us clearly that there will be hypocrites among us. There will be those who pretend. But the problem is, we don't know who they are. God tells us that not everyone in the church truly believes. Not everyone in the church building or who has their names on the rolls or who attends the service actually believes. But we don't know who they are. There are some who pretend, and if they're good at pretending, then we can't see who it is. Actually, uh, I'm wrong. There are two people who know. There are two people who know today in the church who can see who is a hypocrite. And it's yourself and God. Those who are hypocrites know that they are hypocrites. Those who pretend know that they're pretending. You can't fool yourself. If you don't really believe everything that God says, you know. You know you don't. And if you don't really, if the word of God doesn't really mean much to you, you know that. You know that about yourself. 
You know what you truly believe and what you don't believe, even if you don't say it through your mouth, even if you say one thing through your mouth and believe something else in your heart. You know this, and God does. So to be honest, I actually don't know who exactly the sermon is for today. But I do know that if you've drifted in and out of the service, if you've been thinking of worldly things and been concerned with the things of this life, if you're not really moved by the lesson today or the parable, and if you haven't been paying attention thus far, then I can assure you that this sermon is totally for you. You and God know who you are much better than I or anyone else could. And so you know why you're here today. So examine yourself. Here you are in church once again, but why? Be honest, be serious. There's so many religions in this world. Why are you a Christian? Why this one? There's so many churches around you. Why this one? Why this church? Why are you even a Lutheran? Is it because that's just the way you were raised? Is this the church of your ancestors and your family? Are you a Lutheran because it's just the culture that you're comfortable with? Do you sit through the service to make it look like you're a decent person? Do you simply come to church because it would be too shameful and embarrassing if you didn't? Do you come to church so that people wouldn't ask you why you weren't in church? Were you truly relieved when you heard the words of absolution this morning, the forgiveness of all of your sins in the stead and by the command of Christ this morning? Because so often I've been tempted to turn around and ask, do you really understand what just happened? You're going to heaven. God took away all of your sin. He forgave you. Do you believe this? Have you even opened up your catechism this year? Or do you yawn whenever it's mentioned? Do you truly understand and believe why we practice closed communion? Or do you just wish that the whole thing would just go away and would stop talking about it? Do you truly lament divisions in the church? And do you honestly flee from false teachers, people who say anything contrary to scripture? Or is it simply a matter of opinion to you that you're indifferent to? Do you secretly begrudge the hymns that we sing here? Do you only tolerate the liturgy, but wish for something more entertaining, more up your alley? Do you keep God's day holy? Is this whole church thing boring and meaningless to you? Do you actually learn anything from the lessons and the sermons? Have you taken the words that you hear on Sunday and the words that you read in Scripture, do you take them to heart? Have you let yourself be taught and learn and grow in God's word? Do you actually read it? Do you study it? Do you learn more than you, de- than you did the day before? Are you content with what you hear? Are you content with knowing little to nothing about your Savior? Do you consider the fact that God will one day judge the world and that he will ask you what you've done with your life, what you've done with your days? So look deep into your heart. Look at your motives and your intention and the reason why you're here. 
And understand that it's not good enough to say, look, well, I know, pastor, I know uh, uh, brothers and sisters. I don't know much about God and his word. I don't really listen that well. But hey, guess what? At least I'm in church. There's a, that's a lot more than others can say. That's got to count for something, right? And it's wrong. All of this is useless unless you have faith, unless you truly believe what is being said. And when these thoughts come to you, maybe they've come to you already, maybe you're struggling with them now, maybe you will face them in the future. All of this shows that your faith is dying, that the robe of God that he has covered you with in holy baptism is now slipping off of you. That those who come in and out of the church without wearing the righteousness of Christ in faith will be cast out to where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And all of this is a waste. That's really to say that God only forsakes those who forsake him first. He rejects those who reject him first. God will give you what you want. And if you don't want Christ and you don't want his forgiveness, then you won't get it. This is a very hard teaching but it's one we need to hear. So don't be a fool. God isn't fooled. If we don't grieve over our sin, if we don't want Jesus, if we don't desire to be clothed in his righteousness, then we don't belong in his church, at his banquet, or in heaven. So if God's law today has exposed your sinful heart, if his word has revealed your embarrassing motives and reasons for being in church, If God has laid bare your nakedness and your shame, and if the thought of eternal condemnation frightens you and drives you to your knees, then this sermon is indeed for you. If your guilt of drifting off and drifting away and not paying attention has been made bare, and if you stand before God covered in nothing but your sin and shame, then know that Christ has come to you today, this very moment, for the very purpose of covering you with his perfect and holy righteousness. Christ has come to clothe you once again with his blood. Through his nakedness on the cross, he earned for you a robe of his perfect obedience that covers your every blemish and flaw. While he was clothed with our guilt, he clothed us in return with his innocence. While he wore our sin, he clothed us and robed us in his righteousness. So give thanks to God that even though he knows many abuse his gifts and reject them, though he knows many despise his word while pretending to love it, his gracious will is never to stop inviting and calling you to his church. As long as you have breath in your body, he will call you to put your faith in him. He knows your needs. He knows that you're weighed down by sin, by fears of death, by the temptations of this world. He knows you wrestle with doubt and worry that you fight the lust of your flesh. And it's his loving desire to take all of this away, to wash you clean of all of your sins, to clothe you with his guiltlessness. So if you've rejected the word a thousand times before, if you've clothed yourself in apathy and inattention and laziness before, if you've lived hypocritically before, if you've only pretended to believe in God, then repent of your sin and hear the gracious invitation of Christ, who today invites you once again to his feast. Today he burst into your weeping and gnashing of teeth to invite you to a banquet 
that money cannot buy, that you cannot find anywhere on this earth. He invites you to remember your baptism, to pay attention to the fact that these words are forgiving your sins. He has come to clothe you and your soul with gladness. He bids you to leave the gloomy haunts of sadness. Today, he invites you to be forgiven of every single one of your sins, every single one of your doubts, and every single sorrow you have. He invites you to be drenched in his blood and in his righteousness. He invites you to have all of your tears wiped away. So never doubt that God's word and invitation is calling out for you, you specifically. Never doubt that the word proclaimed here is precisely and exactly for you. Day in and day out, your dear Lord calls out to you with his holy gospel, his gracious invitation, and his word of forgiveness. So don't try to cover your shame with a defense or an excuse. Rather, come before Christ with all of your failings and find rest for your weary and burdened and doubting soul. So whatever you are clothed with, whatever your soul was covered in and wearing when you walked in today, whether it was pain or shame or guilt, Leave it at the foot of the cross today and never turn back to it. Put on Christ, who has clothed himself in your flesh, who has washed away all of your sin with the flood of his blood. Today he has won for you and he has given to you the garment of his righteousness. So put that garment on that garment of faith and hold on to it tightly, not doubting, but firmly believing that his word is for you. He has laid down his life for you. He presents you to his Father in heaven, holy and spotless, without blemish or a wrinkle. So surely as he has taken on your flesh, so surely will he be your Savior. So surely will he cover you now and forever in his righteousness. Be clothed and be rejoiced and uh, rejoice and be clothed in the righteousness of Christ that he gives to you today. Amen. Hear the words of the hymn of the day. Soul, adorn yourself with gladness. Leave the gloomy haunts of sadness. Come into the daylight's splendor. There with joy your praises render. Bless the one whose grace unbounded, this amazing banquet founded. He, though heavenly, high, and holy, deigns to dwell with you most lowly. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.